Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Magnolia Beef and Seminary has top quality beef products that are raised right here in Mississippi. They also have fantastic gifts for every age. For the best beef in Mississippi and so much more, visit Magnolia Beef and Seminary or find us on Facebook. This is Rebecca Turner and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi. Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Well, I'm going to Mississippi. Mississippi, here I come. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You are tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. We've got Rhino in studio today. Now, don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Super Talk Mississippi app. Of course, you can always find us on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. And you can watch us. We are live and in living color on your computer or even your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com. Now, today we're going to talk about something we all have in common. You and I and everyone else has lost or misplaced something important or special to us. And sometimes the universe will conspire in our favor or maybe even our luck on your side, if you want to think of it that way. And that missing thing will reappear. Now, it can be within minutes or within a couple hours or maybe a day. And then sometimes it can take years or longer to be reunited with that special something. So I want to hear your stories of things that maybe technically, I guess, they're misplaced because if they're lost, they never come back. I'm not sure like how you how you go about like breaking that down. But you lost, misplaced something, and then you found it, whether it was a significant amount of time later. I would say at least a week would be significant, right? Like you couldn't find it, and then a week later, you're like, oh, there it is, 601-879-4395. So this got me thinking, this headline got me thinking about this, because if you travel much via air, this is one thing you are scared about always is your luggage getting lost. And that's why more and more folks are leaning to just being able to pack everything they need for their trip on their carry on. So it never gets, you know, separated from them because some of the worst, I feel like stories of just feeling helpless and hopeless is being at the mercy of an airline trying to track down your lost luggage. But this particular headline was suitcase lost by airline turned up four years later after it had taken a little detour to Honduras. <laughs> it was an Oregon woman whose suitcase had, I guess, been around the world and back. It was lost during a United Airlines flight from Chicago to Oregon. Okay. She reunited with her bag four years later because it took a detour to Central America. And the rest is history in terms of that. She spent several months searching for it. Of course, the airline informed her that the bag's disappearance was a mystery. I mean, how do you just lose someone's bag? She was compensated for some of her lost items, which if you've got travel insurance and all of that, sometimes it gets covered and there's all kinds of tips and tricks. But you're not. Shucks, my 14 gold bars were in there. I know. Not. 
your everyday, your every now and then traveler is just not going to spend the mental energy to be that savvy. You're playing Russian roulette with your bags every time. And she was shocked to receive a phone call, I guess, four years later, informing her that her suitcase had turned up at the airport in Houston. And now you're wondering, like, how, how do you know, how do we get here? And apparently, really, they don't know, to be honest. They, the story is like it just kind. Then you start to think like, where was it sitting for four years to get back on a conveyor belt to make it back to the United States, but still not even their correct airport? All the things that had to fail for this woman's suitcase to it travel. It was a footrest in a security room in a Honduran airport for years before somebody went. Is that luggage? Right. In Spanish, but I don't know that in Spanish. We should throw that back on there and let it go back to return to sender and see and see where it goes down and sort of where it happens. And so you can imagine her surprise, obviously, of something like that. Now, that's a story where she put it in a system to get it back. I saw another one, a West Virginia woman. She lost her wallet more than 50 years and it was at a school dance. And apparently it had fallen behind. She felt like she misplaced it during a high school dance in 1968 when she was 16 years old and she never saw it again. And fast forward five decades and you have confused constructors or contractors. They discovered the wallet in the ducts of the high school building when they were doing renovations to the building to do something else. So it must have fallen perfectly and or someone took it and played a little pranky prank and forgot about it or never told her or was just evil i mean it would have made sense if they'd found it behind the lockers or something like that Mm -hmm. but finding it in the ductwork that's a little fishy it is a little fishy but she was reunited with it which i think is really neat and you know you hear about other things that get reunited uh over time wedding rings being one that comes up often chris from oxford says i lost my wedding ring about five or six years ago of course my wife accused me of taking it off and losing it at the bar chasing the college girls long story oh you need to take that up with your therapist but long story we bought another wedding ring six months later and i was changing the printer cartridges on the computer at the house when i flipped the top thing up and my wedding ring was right there where the paper comes out and oh you couldn't see it unless you flip the thing up i made sure before i touched it and she came to verify there's a great story too i think of former governor phil bryant's wedding ring that was lost and then or maybe it's class ring i can't remember i think it was a ring it was reunited with him it was several years ago i had a dear bracelet that was um, not expensive but it was important to me that I deemed that at that time my oldest had misplaced. Kids are very notorious for taking things and hiding them. I lost car keys to the youngest one that way. But and it was years- a viral video of the little girl that went to school and her her kindergarten boyfriend proposed to her and yes, with her mother. The, the parents mother, are going with your stolen mother's with wedding ring. ring, right? So they don't have that kind of mindset. Fast forward, I think, I'm going to say, it was a while. It had to be years. But it had fallen, and she probably still took it, but it had fallen in between the creases of the couch of a chair. Well, not not the couch. It's like a armchair all the way down under, and it's not somewhere you normally would look. And I don't even remember now why I went searching under there. 
But to say that I was like super excited. Looking for a remote. Look, probably looking for a remote. Um, it's an understatement. I was elated to find it. Uh, and I think the excitement for the location, unless the urgency like keys, remote, something like credit card, that kind of thing, there's an urgency to finding it because your life is kind of put on pause until you reunite with it. But some of the other sort of meaningful things, it's just a big bummer if you can't find it or your suitcase. You find, I mean, you don't go four years with no new underwear. Like you, you start to replace the things that were gone and just accept fate. And then when it's reunited with you, it's, I think it would be, I mean, it had to be like a whole treasure chest. Like what, what did I pack four years ago? What was in style? Was a favorite hairbrush in there? It especially happens if you move. I'm I'm actually in the middle of something that's lost that I'm sure I will come back around to at some point in that apartment, which is my Milwaukee Impact driver, my expensive drill. I have a cheap one that is getting me by for little projects and stuff, but I know that Milwaukee is somewhere in there. It was a gift from my little brother. I just don't remember exactly which box it's in, and I don't want to go through digging through all of them until I have to. But there are several things that got put in the wrong box or packed in the wrong thing or misplaced during the move last mm-hmm. year. And the one that came to mind when I saw the question, my pizza cutter. I spent a couple months at my new apartment, whenever I would make a pizza, having to take out my Alaskan Ulu, which is like this curved blade my parents brought back yes, to me from I Alaska. Those. They're awesome. They are. But I was having to cut pizza with that because I couldn't find my roller. Is that and what I was called? An Alaskan Alaska Ulu. Ulu. Yeah. And I finally broke down and went digging through a box that had stuff I actually needed because it was cold at the time. It was like winter hats and gloves. For some reason, my pizza cutter was in that box. Because you were packing at last minute, and you said, ah, I'll find it. And you just threw it, because at that point in the process, you're delirious, and you just want it in a box headed in whatever direction you're going. And that's how that sort of ends up, for sure, when you're moving. I was just, I was bound to determine not to go buy another pizza mm-hmm. cutter. I know they're dirt cheap. but this the is, point. This is one, it's a big one. It's got the big circle on it. It cuts good. I didn't want to have to go get another one. Were you excited? I was excited. I was like, oh, look, a warm hat and a pizza cutter. I'm having pizza. And the, you want to tell somebody. You're like, hey, I found it. I found it. Woo! It's, yes. You were right there where I was looking the whole time. The whole time. Josh from Laurel says, fiance and him, went to a USM football game. She realized she had lost her engagement ring. That would have been my pit of my stomach. Looked all over Hattiesburg for it. Even looked through trash cans at the gas station. We stopped at. Came home. Found it in the trash can there. I'd be asking some questions. Just saying, Josh. Or go get the thing sized. Make sure it can't slip off that easily. You can let us know your lost and found stories. We've got more for you up next. Talk Jackson.
making your afternoon just a little brighter. It's Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi. You can watch Good Things. We are on computer, your mobile device. You can watch it on Roku, Amazon Fire TV devices, even YouTube. You can now watch Good Things on Ceasefire TV. If you got that, we are on Channel 70 right next to the Weather Channel. But if you want to watch the new baby hyena there at the Hattiesburg Zoo, you're going to have to head down to the Pine Belt. But Kristen is joining us today to give us a little bit more information about the little... I guess, is he considered a cub, Kristen? Yes, ma'am, it is considered a cub. You can also call them pups or whelps. Aw, oh, well, like whelps, like with a P? I'm sorry, you're kind of cutting out a little bit. That's okay. Can you hear me? Is this good? I was going to say, well, I've never heard of whelps. I've heard of cubs, but I learned a new word today. But we're also learning the gender of this precious cub. Take us back, though, to October the 17th. You guys had an exciting day there at the Hattiesburg Zoo. Yes, ma'am, we sure did. We had a little our little first cub born here um, at the Hattiesburg Zoo um, at around around 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, that happened. We were super excited about it. But, of course, we had no idea if it was a boy or a girl. Um, and that sort of didn't come until much, much later. As we, you know, the cub is about three months old now, and we're just now learning the gender. But it was an exciting day for all of us. It's the only surviving cub um, from the species survival program. So we are super excited to be a part of it. And then you guys were super excited to give the mom and, I guess, dad, hyena, the opportunity to have its very own human-like gender reveal party, which I thought was really cute and unique. How did you guys go about deciding how to let the world know what baby H was going to be? So it uh, took a lot of planning. Um, My assistant curator and I sort of came up with the idea of a gender reveal and kind of figuring out how we were going to do that was a little bit more complicated um, because we wanted to make sure that the public could actually see what the gender was so we couldn't just let our mom rip open something so we had to be a little bit more creative so we created a box that had um, just some packing paper on the bottom of it and a a rope made out of braided packing paper and tied a a chicken leg to that and when she pulled it all of the blue confetti came out so super excited that uh, little baby boy um Super cute and full of energy and excitement. So was the dad excited or was the mom, you know, pleased to see blue paper? I know I'm kidding. (laughs) They were a little bit like, what is that? (laughs) (laughs) So dad was kept inside while that was happening. We had a pretty big group around and he gets a little bit nervous around big crowds of people. But mom loves everybody. So she had to come over and say hey to everybody else first before she even interacted with the box. So. Um, but, yeah, it was a pretty exciting time. Little baby Keto, that's his name, is K-I-T-O, um, which means Precious Child in Swahili, was out on exhibit with her and participated in the, in the gender reveal. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It took her about an hour, really, to get the box open. <laughs> so she was more interested in her friends coming to see her than she was finding out the gender of her baby. Um, Although I'm thinking that she probably already knew what it was. It was the rest of us that were we're waiting on pins and needles. I was say a mom who enjoys a party. You can't you can't necessarily <laughs> hate that. And like everything, as long as the baby's healthy, whether it's a girl or a boy, everybody's excited. But from y'all's perspective there at the zoo, does it lend itself to you guys being able to continue the um, the programs there of being able to make more baby hyenas, whether it was a girl yeah. or a boy? 
Um, the offspring gender only matters in the fact that the um, the species survival program will tell us kind of where we go from here. So obviously any offspring that we have, because our two adult hyenas are so high up in the breeding population, it will eventually move on to another zoo to uh, reproduce in that zoo to create even larger genetic genetic diversity in um in the world of hyenas. So eventually we will have more cubs. Yes, that is the plan is for us to breed more. That is what they are here for. Um, beyond being really cute and just fun to look at, they are here for a purpose. And that purpose is to create a larger pool of gen- genetic diversity in hyenas. How often can mama have cubs? Or I guess in terms of healthy, like how, how yeah, far we so all space a, that out? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, a hyena can have cubs every year. Uh, Ideally, you want it to be around every two years, two to three years. Um, but, you know, they are wild animals. And while birth control is sort of an option, it's not really done often in hyenas unless um, birthing does not go well for, for that particular pair. Because they're just not quite sure. There's not a lot of study done in how it really reacts with a hyena. So we'll just sort of let nature take its course and uh, kind of see what what we get (laughs) from here. If I had to guess, it'll still be a little while before she's ready to have any more cubs. Um, She's still nursing the baby, so um, that prolongs her not having any more cubs as well. So that's kind of where we're at with them. Uh, Right now, we're just happy to enjoy our little baby boy. Who's Keto? That's his name. What's the mom and dad's name? Remind us the little family there. I'm sorry, say that again? What's the mom and dad's name? Mama's name is Peely, P-I-L-I, and Dad's name is Niru, N-I-R-U, and they are a perfect little family. It's been really, really rewarding to see uh, Keto interact with his dad. They've become sick as thieves, playing all the time. Um, even Dad's instigating play now with the baby, which is just really, really great to see. We honestly could not have asked it to go any better than what we got out of um, out of this birthing process. It's been really, really amazing. Now, Kristen, whenever you joined us here on Good Things to talk about the incredible birth, we weren't able to see, now we know Keto, the little boy, um, if we were a visitor there at Zoo. Has that changed? Has Keto kind of made his way out to, for, for friends and family to see him as well? Yes, ma'am. He is out on exhibit every single day that we are open. Um, sometimes you'll see him out playing and running around. Other times you'll see him sleeping next to mom or sleeping on top of mom because really you never get too big to sleep to not sleep in mom's lap. So he's always kind of on her or he's playing with his dad. Um, sometimes he'll be inside the den. Sometimes you got to really, really look for him because he is still kind of a darker color than his parents. He's starting to get those spots um, in, but that takes anywhere between three to month to a year for them to fully come in so he's out on exhibit uh he really really enjoys people he likes to come up to the windows and see people so it's a it's a fun time for our guests right now now the hattiesburg zoo has always been a great maternity ward i don't know what y'all got there it's something in the water but do we have anybody else expecting there in the zoo for 2023 Not right now no right now everything is kind of Nice and calm on that front. We're in winter hours right now, which is just a great opportunity for all of us to take a breather after event season and sort of get things back squared away and spend some extra time with our animals. Um, So not right now, but hopefully soon, but not right now. And if folks want to come and visit the zoo, I know you guys were jam-packed with all of your great events over the holiday season. I don't know if you know of anything coming up to sort of share about or just your normal operating hours. (laughs) 
Yeah, I know that um, RenFest is coming up in February, which is always um, a fun event. we got spring break coming up before we know it, which is always a lot of fun. There's tons of events coming up this year, uh, so just sort of keep a lookout on our, our social media pages for that stuff. Um, but lots of fun events coming up. Well, I appreciate your time. Give him a hug, because I know you probably get to see him. Can you <laughs> hug him? Have you hugged him? Are you allowed to touch him? Um, so we do socialization with the keepers and the baby right now. However, that ends very, very soon. You can only do it for a certain amount of time before they're just too big and it's no longer safe. But we have done some socialization with him where we have been very, very close to him that he gets used to people and we can do things in the future like medical procedures and that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I have gotten to touch baby hyena. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. It's a very, very rewarding experience for us. Well, I think you have a really cool job there, Kristen. I appreciate your time every time you join us here on Good Things, and you're welcome back anytime you got some other baby news there at the zoo. Sorry, no problem. Thanks for having me. All right. How cool is that? It would be the hardest part about being a zookeeper is not being able to hug and touch and squeeze and kiss the little baby hyena. And then you realize it's a baby hyena. And then your mind goes back to the Lion King and you're reminded that they're not always the nicest animals. And so you just go on with your bad self. But how sweet is that? So it's a boy. If you haven't seen the video, I encourage you to go to their Facebook page. I can also share it in the Good Things Facebook group. The mom does. She takes her little sweet time and she bops it and then it comes down and she's just like, what is this? It goes to show, again, how how detached humans are from, like, actual nature and what nature cares about. <laughs> we make such a big fuss, a big deal over gender reveal. And that's only gotten popular over the last, oh, since my last one. And it can be Five argued years? they've gotten a little out of hand. Oh, well, for sure. I, I mean, to some see, of like, them have up. started forest fires. Yes, and other unfortunate things. You You do have to laugh at some of the videos that go viral over the ones that have gone that have gone wrong and then you think back to not just my generation but generations past to where you everybody was surprised what the gender was whenever it showed up whenever you showed up there at the oh, yeah. at the at the Witchamadoodle. I mean one of my mom's best friends when I was still preborn, I guess prenatal, when when mom was still carrying me. One of her best friends made a little red dress with white frills on it, expecting me to be a girl. Just and there's even a yeah. picture of me as a baby wearing the dress. That's funny. To uh, As a way of saying thank you to the friend, and then the friend took it back and turned it into a little sailor outfit for me. What would your mom named you if you would have been a boy? I mean, a girl. Uh, the joke was always Amanda Michelle, but then that was the name of the Cabbage Patch doll that came along after my younger brother as a peace offering from dad to say, stop having kids, please. I would have been Timothy, and they would have called me Timmy, which is terrifying. No offense to any Timmys out there. Just don't see it. I don't know. I don't know how we go from Timothy to Rebecca, but there we are. But I was supposed to be a boy. That didn't, ha- that didn't, that didn't turn out so well for mom. All right, stick with us. we got more for you coming up next. Rebecca Turner. She looks healthy and sane. Good things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi.
things we are in computer remote mobile device just head on over to supertalktv.com and there is a ton of content from supertalk mississippi on our youtube channel just search supertalk mississippi on youtube or go to supertalk.fm slash youtube it is free you can subscribe you'll get the latest scoop on what's happening in mississippi news politics sports and of course the good things and i got some good research for you research is in it is conducted by vacation experts i'd like to be them let me sign up to be a vacation expert but it's from family destinations guide they analyze google trend data over the last 12 months for search items frequent terms used by travel enthusiasts and drumroll please the research reveals that mississippi ranks the fourth most travel obsessed state Hmm. Instead of all the states, we are Googling how to get the hell out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Whether it's out of work, out of your town, out of the state, I don't know. But we're ripping and roaring to go somewhere, which I think is kind of of cool. And, of course, here we always encourage you to visit Mississippi. But, hey, maybe you do like to plan those travels. It would be interesting if you broke down that data a little bit more. I'd be curious how many Mississippians, like where do they travel? I'm sure Gregory with Visit Mississippi could tell us this, but are you like just Disney beach mountains kind of people or are we more like... See, I want Disney and beach in as the same kind of thing. What do you mean? Well, it's hot. Well, yes, but it's not the same thing because normally you've got your Disney people that go every year, every other year, whatever. And even True. though it's hot, you're, you usually don't see the beach. In fact, you're right there by a great beach and you still pay a day pass to go to water parks and spend a lot of money. But I get it. They're fun. I've been there. I'm part of it. I'm poking fun at myself. Or you go to the beach every year, whether it's spring break or a summer weekend. That has to be you know, where you go. Or your mountains people. And then that usually comes fall to winter. You're sort of enjoying that. And if you're high enough on the food chain, you may do all three in one year. But usually you fall into that kind of category. I would say that the pie shortens or shrinks or I don't know what the word sorry for those that like international travel like the percentage is going to get small yeah. smaller of of that so you have like the big gap who maybe do weekends or staycations or enjoy things like that which if you've seen on the good things Facebook group I posted where they're rehauling all of the um parks state parks starting with Roosevelt State Park uh, for those in central Mississippi getting super excited about it because they're absolutely phenomenal what they're doing to the space they're not changing necessarily the footprint they're just going in gutting it and revamping it all and it makes it like wow that's gonna be a great kind of like weekend getaway but so you're either a weekend getaway kind of person you're like a week vacation kind of person or you're like a I'm a traveling weeks at a time that is something i have never done i think the longest vacation i've ever had may maybe may maybe close to two weeks but that would have been senior year sort of trip it would have been 10 maybe 11 days maybe but usually it's like a week like a saturday to saturday sunday to sunday or monday to sunday like usually us here in the west our traditional thinking is not weeks vacation. No. I'm trying to think the longest trip I've been on would have had to have been the big family vacation, which we took right before mom got a job where she was not going to have as much free time. And we went nine days 
Like, borrowed a big van with a Super Nintendo in it. Thought it was the coolest thing. And Chattanooga, Pigeon Forge, and Atlanta. But I don't think we stayed longer than two nights in any place. So, yeah, it'd be like nine days. Right. At what point, though, is it no longer a vacation? It turns into a sabbatical. Because at some point, you know, it's that's not a vacation. Like, you are taking... You know, a mini retirement from your life, which is a huge movement. There's this big movement of like getting folks to sort of recognize because the traditional thinking is you work, 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 work all your good years away. And then you retire 60, 65 if you're if you're fortunate enough to make it there. And now you have forfeited your health, uh, maybe not your wealth, because you've sort of depending on how your life went down. But now you're set up for retirement, but you forfeited some of the other things Along the way, you're not going to be able to accomplish or do the things that you might could have done your 30s or sort of 40s. There is this new sort of mindset of taking these longer sabbatical type, longer, you know, vacations or whatever you want to call it in between years or months or or whatever. So you sort of enjoy many retirements versus waiting for it all well, to I think done. part of that comes from how the workforce has changed so much with the, the most recent couple of generations because you look at our parents and our grandparents and our great-grandparents the only way to get ahead in life to be able to travel when you retired was you found a good job you worked your way up and you stayed there for your entire career where you may have 30 40 50 60 years working for this company Whereas now it's a lot more common for people to work somewhere five to ten years, find something better, find something different, find something better, find something in a different location. And with that happening more often, those gaps in your work history aren't as glaring. Whereas if you have a whole workforce where everybody tries to work at one place as long as possible and with very little gaps in between, it kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. You're like, well, what were you doing for these two months right here? Whereas nowadays, it's like, oh, well, you were between jobs. You were traveling or doing something. But would you? I don't know. It goes against the grain. It almost feels, self- and I don't know if selfish is the right word. It just feels out of the ordinary to sort of do something like that. But there's also some who may even be listening to good things who has an incredible amount of weeks of vacation off, particularly if you work for like the state, federal, whatever, or maybe you got in early, grandfathered in, and so maybe you have three, four years worth of, of vacation. Comp time. Comp time stored up, and it rolls over, and a compounding, and all this kind of crap. And you're just sitting on it like a badge of honor, but, but really, and I'm not, I'm just trying to encourage you to think about it a little bit differently, this idea that if you took one to two weeks, you know, and you started doing some of the things you say you always wanted to do, that life would be more fulfilling and, you know, it's kind of moving in that direction or trying to get you to at least think about it differently because we definitely got in kind of a cookie cutter way of thinking about what traditional work-life balance looks like here in this in the Although, West. just playing devil's advocate, sure. if you have, say, six months to a year of comp time stored up, where they owe it to you. 
That means if you get to retirement, you get to retire a whole six months to a year early. So now you're 64 and a half versus 65. Your joints aren't going to work any better at 64 and a half than they do at 65. <laughs> Take the trip when you're 35, 40, 45, 50. <laughs> I'd take your devil's advocate on it. <laughs> devil's advocate, get thee behind me. <laughs> uh, but I mean, and some is out of scarcity if you don't have like good short term disability. I get why a lot of us uh we are uh, of the mindset of holding on to things i think it's just this new idea or just way of sort of looking at it like why wait i think is sort of the mindset like why put off some of the things granted you may not be able to take a twenty thousand dollar you know six week uh backpacking trip overseas or something like that but you might could do a little bit longer here and there of unplugging detaching and Maybe you'll have less at the end, but yet you've you've spent it well during those years in which you could actually still get out and physically enjoy and the memories last and your life is more layered. And then if you do meet Elvis before 65, you will have had those experiences that you couldn't then catch up with later down the road. I think that's kind of like the idea behind it. I'm just racking my brain trying to think of where would I want to go for two weeks? That's another like so so the movement would tell you <laughs> that you're westernized and we're task oriented beyond our um you know our own comprehension and so the idea of just being and enjoying a beach a mountain your own surroundings detaching for a week is like we can't wrap our brains around Around it, I'll, you know, so we were gone, I guess, technically nine days, but, but four of those were travel. Um, and, and I was ready to get back to it. Like, I, I started to itch. It was like, I need, I need a routine. Um, I think I could kill off two weeks if there were, was travel involved, but well, I, again, I it's really, task oriented. I can't, like, traveling to, Scotland and going around Europe to different places like that. I could kill two weeks doing that, Absolutely. but it wouldn't be in one place. It'd but like, quick. like I love the idea of going to Japan and visiting, but I don't know if I could spend two weeks in one place like that away from home. I try. <laughs> I don't know that. That's a good question. Where would you spend two weeks away from home if you got the chance? 601-879-4395. We got more good for you coming up next. Rebecca Turner. She's smart and pretty. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to Good Things, streaming live over at supertalk.fm. Larry from McGee says, if you were to go to Australia or even New Zealand, it seems like it would take at least three weeks to make the trip worth it. We got into a little debate talking about if you were to take a two-week vacation versus one, where would you go? Or could you go somewhere for that two weeks? I know you said you would get a little 
you get a little stir crazy. You don't mind being gone for two weeks. Like the idea of being detached and unplugged for two weeks is good for you. Oh, yeah. That sounds great. It's just the idea of... Like you plopping down into one condo, one community, one whatever for two weeks. Right. Like I start showing up to the same coffee house on a vacation and after like the fourth or fifth day i was like this is just a new routine i've just made a new routine a thousand miles from home i could have saved all this money and had the same routine at home well larry from mcgee has a point because usually if you do international travel which saying you kind of fall into three boxes you're either a weekend getaway or you're a one-week vacationer or you're kind of like this international big tripper which it gets jet setter jet setter which is you, the, the percentage of people get smaller the, the longer the trips. Because you invest so much in getting somewhere, whether it's like a 20-hour plane ride or a 20-hour car ride or all that money to sort of get somewhere, you feel like, okay, I'm here. I'm probably never coming back um, unless I am in a, another percentile of, of income. Um, I'm going to make the most of it. But I still say even if you went to Australia, New Zealand, international travels, whatever – you're probably not going to stay in the same city or the same whatever for that entire time. Like, that's why they call it backpacking through Europe. You're usually going from little town to little town so you can absorb as much in a 100-mile radius, I made that up, as you possibly can in the amount of time that you're in, in the amount of time that you're there. Well, I mean, the stereotype of backpacking across Europe is still kind of a hoity-toity ideal because usually that's also associated with like a gap year where you do that the year right after high school before you start your college education and stuff like that. But it's also it, it sounds weird to say that it's hoity-toity, but it's also on the lower end of cost because when you're backpacking They're across Europe, you're you're staying in a hostel where you're trying to find something that's twenty dollars a night or less, and you're sleeping on bunk beds with strangers from around the world. No, and thank you. That's that's backpacking across Europe. You need worse than vet bugs doing that, so no thank you. But but I guess you have to have that sort of adventure mindset. That just goes back though too, just to rethink like how we think about. Work, work, work until you can no longer work anymore and then retiring. You're too tired or too old and frail to actually go and do the things that you would want to do. Again, it's just that sort of idea. But there's two men out of India that completely took the idea of stopping and enjoying it and squashed it, but did break a Guinness World Record because they visited all seven continents. How how many days do you think it took them to see all seven continents? And it broke a world record so that or a Guinness World Record. 23. Three days, one hour, and five minutes and four seconds. They were booking it. They were not stopping to smell not a dead gum rose. It was... Bloop, 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 bloop. <laughs> what was it again? <laughs> I'm not doing it again. <laughs> they, uh, they set out to beat the previous record, which was three days, 14 hours, and 46 minutes. So they only got it by a couple of hours. And they do not expect their their title to last. What the article does not share is their itinerary and how they sort of sort of did it. Got to keep it a secret. Got to keep it a secret and sort of getting to uh, to planning. You have to think there's got to be a spot where does some of them intersect. So like you have like the four corners there up there in Colorado where you have the four states you can stay and kind of stand there and be. Four places at once, kind of technically-ish. I mean, not to get too geopolitical with just a couple minutes left in good things, but 
That's why the Middle East is such a contentious place to live, because it is it is, it is the land bridge between Africa, Asia, and Europe. So somewhere there was a lot of like starfishing it from all the different continents, and because you think about the travel, man, it can take a day just to travel to from one to the other. To be interesting to see, yeah, you know, if I was going, I. I could see putting all seven continents on my to-do list before I die. I think that would be really cool, but I'd want it to be a quality trip. I don't know if I'd want to see if I could get it done in three days, one hour, however many minutes, and four seconds. I mean, Antarctica would probably be the most extreme, but also, no pun intended, the most cool. Because when you think of Antarctica, you just think of just the sheet of ice. But in reality, it's a full continent. I mean, you you can't really see the lakes and stuff. That's under the ice. But they still have mountains, and the mountains stick up through the ice. And if you've ever seen pictures of Antarctic mountains, they look like you're on a different planet. I want to go to Is that where the whales go? No, that's Alaska. That's on the other side. Oh. I you go. can take a cruise to see that, though. I want to see. I want to stand there and watch. Stick with us. we got more for you up next. You've got the boys with sports talk from 3 to 6. Rano and I will meet you back here tomorrow at 2. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. Talk Mississippi Media Production.